Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Well, Scott and Jenny Robinson, welcome to Resiliency. We, we, are, we are super blessed that you're here. We love you to death. We wish everybody who were listening to Resiliency today had the privilege that we have of knowing you and uh, being able to have time like this with you. But we're going to have these next 25, 30 minutes together. So blessed to have you here. And we just want you guys to start by telling us who you are, introduce your family, and tell us what you've been doing in cross-cultural ministry for these past, am I right in saying 13 plus years? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes, 13 and a half. Yeah. 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 Uh, Went overseas October 10th of 2006 is when we landed in Germany. So, right. Yeah, so 13 and a half. So, um, yeah, like, so 2006, we landed in Germany, and uh, one daughter, our oldest, Maya, was just over, oh, she was almost two, and Kinley was seven months old. And uh, we landed, we, we had great jobs, an awesome life, and God said go. And so we picked up and left and um, landed there and had an incredible team to jump into. And the goal was... This exploring this idea of how can we really provide a place of rest and restoration for pastors and missionaries mm-hmm. uh, that God had put on the dream of the hearts of our team leaders at the time and then spoken to us. And, and so for uh, two and a half years, we tried to figure that out, doing that and also working with a church plant in a city nearby, uh, reaching college students. Um, and uh, it was a wonderful and very challenging part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really, it was rich for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually that became, we called it the Haven. And uh, we would have people stay in our guest room and our other team's guest room, or we'd find places and say to rent for them. And <clears throat> these were just ordinary people that God had told to go around the world. And they were coming to us because they needed some help, uh, needed some rest, needed some counsel, some healing, some restoration. Um, and we just had the privilege of sitting with a lot of people uh, in those days with us and our team and just caring for people and helping them um, get established. I, I remember uh, when before we ever launched, I was praying about, um, God, this is kind of seems like, you know, missions on, you know, on light. <laughs> like it wasn't as, uh, didn't seem as authentic. And I remember uh, at the time, I felt like God gave me this picture of what heaven would look like. And he said, you're actually helping populate heaven, mm-hmm. every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he said, you, your family gets a chance to, uh, to, to, to reach more countries than if I were just call you to one country mm-hmm. by inter- interacting with and helping these, these pastors and missionaries establish themselves and have resilience for the long haul. Our inheritance in the heaven was, was even more. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what, that's the picture that's driven me all these years when I go back and wonder, well, are we really doing the right thing? Is, uh, right. So we were there in Germany for two and a half years, almost three. And um, through the course of some events, the rest of our team felt like God was saying to go back home to the States. And for us, um, we really felt this sense from God that our job with the Haven wasn't done yet. And so we, um, but we also, the question was, 
was it, it was becoming clear that there's a need to move past just our guest rooms and our houses to actually find a, a facility of some kind to house people. And so worked with our leaders and prayed like crazy to say, God, where do you want us to be? We uh, visited Portugal first with some folks uh, from the States, and we never visited anywhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. By the end of that five-day trip, uh, we had verbal agreements on property. We felt like God had clearly called us there. So we came back to Germany and started the process of packing up life. And that point, we had girls who were a bit older, but uh, and let's see, probably five, six months later, getting in our car. We had a big, big semi-truck take all our stuff across Europe from Germany to Portugal, and we got in our car with our little girls and drove across Europe ourselves and ended up in Portugal. Um, and from there, our organization bought a couple houses, some cars, outfitted them beautifully, and we started doing the Haven again. And we just and we didn't advertise, we didn't go public, and word started spreading um, in, in the missionary community around the world. And so um, generally speaking, in a given year, we have about 25 to 30 organizations that send people to us from all over the world. So it's a rich privilege and have had incredible teammates to come along and work alongside of us in this process and could never have done it by ourselves in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that for, for five years. And then um, in 2015, we handed off uh, oversight of the Haven to another couple that was on our team, and uh, I stepped into a role of over, overseeing um, kind of at that time a 65 church plants from Europe to Asia, overseeing the pastoral care part of that for mm-hmm. our movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that the last five years. Through the years, you have uh, seen and ministered to hundreds, and just wondering about uh, what. Trends have you seen as you guys have ministered to people? People have come who have uh, probably served anywhere from months to years on the field. Mm -hmm. And as you've been with those people who have been from our org or from other orgs and have just been out there for a really long time, and they seem to have the stuff that makes them last Mm -hmm. on the field, what have you guys learned? Sure. Um, So we've, uh, in 2014, we added up. We, we keep stats, just internal stats, and we added up that, that our team from Germany 2006 until 14, our team and us had sat with around 1,400 pastors and wow. missionaries and their families. So that's mm, adults. It is. Stuff. <clears throat> but, uh, wow. So it's, it's really been a rich privilege. Um, mm. We actually asked that question in 2014 just with us. We said, what have we seen that, that seems like what's the key? And because it, it's such a mystery, you know. What's the key for effectiveness and longevity? Because we've, we've sat with people that people write books about. They've seen church playing movements of thousands saved. Mm-hmm. And when you start asking deeper heart questions, you realize they're not okay. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. Their walk with God is distant. But the fruit is significant. Mm-hmm. But the internal world is not okay. And their walk with Jesus is, is grown stale. And we've sat with people that have been missionaries for years and years and years. And they're alive in God, but they haven't seen a lot of fruit. And so that's the question, you mm-hmm. know, just what is that? I, I think my conclusion, we talked through this, was uh, actually out of Mark 4, 26 through 29. Can I just read this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Jesus speaking, he says, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters the seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or he gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head. Then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. I think that uh, 
people get the call upside down of their first love. Mm-hmm. God called them their first love. It's Revelations 2. Jesus, remember when Jesus talking to the church and he said, you've done all these awesome things. Don't stop doing them, but remember your first love. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's what the longevity piece gets lost in people's lives. When they, they get into their city, into their nation, and the call is rich, and it's from the God who loves them, and they said yes to him, but then it's so overwhelming that every person everywhere doesn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that call can drive people to, to uh, work harder and work faster and work longer at the erosion of their marriage, their kids, their walk with God, mm-hmm. because they're after the fruit because they have to produce something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, John, John 15, 4 and 5 is true. If we abide mm-hmm. in him and he and us, we actually will bear much fruit. Mm-hmm. And that's that was our conclusion a few years ago. It's rich. When we sit with those people, it wasn't fruit that actually gave us sustainability mm. because ultimately that fruit is just the, the treasures we throw back at his feet. It's not our job to save people or save their city. It's our job to walk with God and be attentive to his voice. Mm. And from that, we bear much fruit. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Man. No, we can end that here. <laughs> let me let me add this too. It's it's the and and I've just seen in the body of Christ. There's the pendulum thing. I'm going to be the abider, or I'm going to be the doer, or whatever the the pendulum swings one way or the other in extremes. And I think like in this context, God's right in the middle. Abide with me, and let's go bear fruit together. Mm-hmm. It's the Revelations two. It's well done. You've done these things. Awesome. Keep doing those things, and go back to where you first found me. Your first love really needs to be your first choice. And when we do that, man, the fruit's substantial, but in the end, it's not about me and my work. It's about him bearing fruit through me. And then it's just a pleasure to do mm-hmm. with him. It's great. So, Jenny? Um, I think, you know, that what Scott's saying is, is I guess it's the, the details around that. It's like, how do people get make space for getting that, keeping that first love going? That's good, yeah. And... Um, of course, the people who come to the Haven, they have taken the time to do that. But sometimes I wonder if it was a little too late mm. or did they really have a rhythm of uh, a Sabbath, you know, doing what they need to get that time with, that extra time with God to, um, to take care of them, themselves, their, their uh, all states, their physical being, their mental state, their soul, all the different places. Mm-hmm. Um and I know sometimes people are financially, they feel like that that can't spend money on that their supporters' money mm-hmm. to go talk about that. Yeah, I mean that's, that's a big a, one. <laughs> it's a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if it's in the budget and if it's put there in the beginning and the, it's part of what a supporter knows they're signing up for. So that's a speak. good word. That's a good um, word. Don't miss it. <laughs> if it's in the if it's in your budget, then you need to do it. Mm. And then there are things that don't take as much money. You know, taking time to go be with your family. Uh, at a beautiful place in your country, you know, uh, enjoying your city where you live. But whatever is refreshing, I think, is what people need to do with I mean, hearing the Lord. What does the Sabbath need to look like in your context and for each individual? We can't say it needs to look like this, but what does it look like for that person that's really going to be life-giving? And keeping tabs on what's going on, that you're not just blazing forward and trying to per, uh, get the kingdom advanced and ignoring what's going on the inside, but really being attentive to where things are starting to get off. 
What, what's a practical way, Jenny, you and Scott have done that through the years? You just said keeping tabs on what's going on kind of internally. And that's a that's a discipline. That's not just a people. We don't naturally gravitate to that. Some do. Some are real good at taking inventory of their soul. But what have you done practically? I mean, I think it's a learned thing when uh, maybe I'm being a little more snippy at my family or that I'm just saying for myself. That only uh, happened once about 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> <Go ahead>. Nice. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe all of a sudden something's changed in the way you're sleeping or I just, there's little changes. I think if we're attentive to the Holy spirit, that he is faithful to say, Hey, you know, if we're, if we're listening, then something's off. Just maybe it's something small, but if we are attentive to something's off just a tiny bit, then we can go, okay, why don't I pause and just, I talk to my spouse, I talk to my teammates, I talk to my pastoral oversight. Something feels off. You know, can anybody put a finger on this? Lord, what are you saying? Um, I think we've just learned over the time of not being attentive that, wow, if I had paid attention to that a while back, I might have got yeah. some mm. help sooner than letting it go so far. Because the whoops become habits. Mm. Oh, I shouldn't have. It's, it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's, oh, I missed, I'm not being attentive to the Spirit of God. I'm not being attentive to that I'm not walking in the Spirit right now. When mm-hmm. I do, I need to go, hey, what's going on inside? And repent and all that stuff. But I just, that's a pattern that, that I saw in my life for years, but right before burnout was, I, I kept having the whoopses and I didn't stop and go, what's going on with me? Yeah. And why do I keep acting this way and responding this way? Mm. And becomes habits and then it becomes destructive mm. in me and in my family and the people around me. Because awesome. we don't listen to the Spirit of God. And we don't catch the, oh, that was not nice. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Yeah. Let's repent, but let's figure out what's going on, you know? Yeah. What are some of the practical ways that you found in offering people the space to create Sabbath, abiding time? I think permission. In, in my opinion, sitting with people that are missionaries, long-term, fully committed, full-on, they uh, giving them permission to say, go sleep in. Go take a long nap. Do mm. Jesus. You're not actually walking the flesh when you go take a good nap. <laughs> God's got the world covered. It's the Mark 4 verse I said earlier. Is, is It says the farmer rests and he works. Mm-hmm. Go take a nap. Yeah. And don't do it in the flesh. And we know if it's the flesh. But just the, the freedom to rest. The freedom also to say. And we found when people would come to the haven that usually the first three days they would... It's like they're detoxing from the intensity there. Whether they live in far off Asia, intense cultures in the Middle East or in Europe, the first three or four days is just they detox. And they're mm-hmm. like, I'm dreaming vividly. I'm sleeping a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not connecting with God well. We say, don't worry, you're going to get over the hump. It's good. And when they do, they start really, the word starts opening up to them and they feel the freedom to engage with God. And they meet with Him. Sounds mm. great. Oftentimes tell people you have the permission to take the time to take care of your body, your soul, and your spirit. Yeah. I think planning, like with the Sabbath, it, I like that it was a weekly thing. It was, it's there. Yeah. God, um, God's so smart. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know, planning that your Sabbath isn't filled up with all the other things that didn't happen during the week, and then you end up not resting, or whatever it needs to look like, but that people really do take the time. And we just found, too, with the Sabbath is it's not perfect. In each season, we got to figure it out again. But it's like this commitment to God's plan for rest. And it was, it's been really liberating to say, we enjoy gardening together. 
that's life-giving for our marriage and personally to get out and get our hands dirty. That's part of our Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And some might go here working. No, we're actually meeting with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're just, it's like we're stopping from the things that feel burdensome or feel like the weight of responsibilities on us. And instead we go for a long walk and we, some families do, they read more, they write thank you notes, other things. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's, it's good to just say, well, God, what, what's gonna, what do I need right now? Mark Buchanan addresses that in The Rest of God, Mm -hmm. his book called The Rest of God. Mm -hmm. He talks about that very thing. What's life-giving? Yeah. 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 It's good. So homeschooling. Jenna, you've been homeschooling your your girls and doing a really good job, obviously. Um, Help some of our parents who are in a similar season of life understand kind of how to navigate that a little bit. It's one of the questions that seems to come up with a lot of missionaries and what do we do with our kids? How do we educate them? How do we make sure that we're setting them up for success? Well, I often hear people talk about, well, we ask the Lord every year what we need to do that year. That's a question that I hear. Um, in our situation, there are not a lot of options to make a change every year. So, and that's that might be the case for a lot of our missionaries. Um, I've, I think having the word of the Lord in the beginning of this process is helpful just like it is to have the word of the Lord before you go overseas. So when mm-hmm. things are hard, you have something to stand yes. on. And um, just it, it has to come down to trusting him that he's got our kids' best interest in mind, that he's not uh, forsaking our children so that the gospel can be uh, advanced. I've clung to that verse about not leaning on my understanding, but in all of my ways acknowledging him and make my path straight. In Proverbs um that I'm acknowledging him, I'm trusting him, I'm not worrying. I, I, I have to believe that he's going to, to show me when we need to make an adjustment. Then the Holy Spirit is so faithful to just show me, look, this, this little area is kind of getting lax, or this daughter needs some help here, or whatever. He's been so good over these years. And let's see, we're, my oldest is in ninth grade, so we've been doing this for nine years. Um, and I just... He, it's. I don't know. I mean, we're not at the end. I guess ask me in three more when we're done with, <laughs> yeah. done with high school and off to college if we did okay. But I just am. I'm leaning. I'm. I'm. I'm get, betting my life on this that they're going to be all right if if I'm trusting him to show me what to do. Yeah. So um, we live by his word. I, I have to trust that he's going to fill in the gaps. Years ago, I was listening to the podcast that uh, Lori Gully here at Antioch had done it on Mother's Day. And she was sharing about um, James Mark, I believe was the son, that didn't have the guitar lessons or something at the time. And she was just so concerned because he had gifting, but he wasn't getting the training she thought he needed. And the Lord said, I cover every lack. And I remember um, I remember exactly where I was on the highway when I was listening to that podcast. And I just cried because at the time, I think the girls were trying to, I, I wanted them to be in a different kind of sports event and, there are very few sports options where we are, and the coaches where we are seem kind of abusive in the way they deal with kids. So it's not been an easy place for us, and it just feels like they're they're not getting the American <laughs> all the American options, you know. Mm-hmm. But I that really hit home with me that he's going to cover any lack mm-hmm. that it feels like they might have where we are. Mm-hmm. So I rest in that place, um, and I remember that we all had struggles growing up, yep. and whatever yep. scenario we were growing up in. Um, that 
even if we were to go back to the states or to maybe a better seeming scenario, better schooling option, that there's going to be struggles there too. And I try to remind myself that uh, there are a lot of benefits of what we're doing. That's great. And uh, family closeness, you know, um, of course, all the opportunities they get with living overseas, being exposed to the cultures, language acquisition. um, Surfing in Portugal. Ah, Yes, (laughs) that's true. Um, But also, they're missing out of a lot of junk, I think, sometimes, too, by not being in the traditional uh, scheme. I remember Steve, you and I talking a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I, I uh, comparison is such a powerful enemy, right? And I remember I just, I think I'd heard about friends, and our kids were getting probably late elementary school, still overseas, but hearing what other friends' kids were getting to do, and I remember just going, Steve, are we messing up our kids? Mm-hmm. I recall vividly, and you said, Scott, you're not. Mm-hmm. Wherever God calls you, your kids are going to be the best parenting they can get. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. If you disobey God, then you actually step out of his best for their life too. Mm-hmm. And so they're not lacking anything because God will give them everything they need. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it was this, oh, okay, we're going to be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because we walk by his voice and we follow him. And we teach our girls to do the same. Yeah. So. Share an incident of when one of your girls came with their biggest heartache about, you know, this life. Mm-hmm. We were talking in the car last night. Um, about our kids, third culture kids, but we also are third culture humans mm-hmm. <laughs> in, a lot, in much respects because 13 years of life, you mm-hmm. know, um, that uh, we and they can feel like foreigners in a foreign land there as much as we try to get them the language, to get in the culture, to go to do life out of our home. And we try. They're in sports. They're, it's all Portuguese. I mean, they just we're, we're trying to get in the world, and we're doing things. The church that we started a year and a half ago is, is expat speaking English, so it's not the Portuguese culture, but it's a foreign culture nonetheless. But in the end of the day, we still feel like foreigners. But we come back here, and we shouldn't, seemingly, but we still feel like foreigners here. Mm-hmm. We just, yeah. it, it, we don't quite fit. And as many times as we go to the fun restaurant we enjoy, or we sit with old friends... It just, we just don't quite fit. And so the question in our hearts, and thus our girls as well, is are we going to let that become the determiner of our identity? I don't fit, so thus I have a problem with me. Hmm. Or, God, you're in this somehow, and you called us to this, and so somehow there's redemption in the place of feeling like a foreigner everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. What I'm fighting for in prayer right now is that that, that reality, I'm different, doesn't doesn't define them and take root inside of their hearts and thus become the mirror that's inaccurate of what God sees them to be Mm -hmm. as a workmanship of Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as y'all have come to points where you've known, okay, this season is, is coming to an end. How have y'all come to that, to that realization? I think that Scott usually feels it's, way in advance that there'll be a, a, a change coming. There's a little itch, maybe, <laughs> that something's on the horizon. Uh, but ultimately, we, as a family, we want to hear the voice of the Lord, journal for a good while, what's he saying, get input, those kind of things. So, yeah. process. And and not to be tricked by my support's low, it must be my calling's changing. Ooh, or <laughs> people aren't responding, maybe my colleague's changing, or I'm tired, 
my calling must be changing, or I'm not connecting with God well, maybe I should go home, or Granny's getting sick, maybe I should. Those are peripheral that can sure convince us to make that change. Mm-hmm. But it really is staying in step with Him. And usually it costs us more than we realize to get to the fulfillment of what God's called us to. Mm. Um, and I know I just for me, and even just for men, middle-aged men, that itch thing can also be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. I just need to change jobs because this isn't fulfilling me anymore. I just need a faster car, whatever the case may be. <laughs> and it's really, if we do the make, we respond to those things out of our own flesh and think they're God, we miss him. But if I submit it and say, God, I'm tired. What do I do about this? God, my support's low. What do I do about this? Or whatever the, 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 the stimulus for asking that question is there. We're going to know it's his voice and we're going to live in community. I, I've seen a number of times um, missionaries on the field that decide to, to go back to the States, go back to where they're from. And um, sometimes I question because their decision, it's a massive decision. And it's done within the context of their own home mm. instead of here's two or three people that know me really well. It's not like my mom that loves me and wants me back anyways, <laughs> but that know me well and actually fight for the nations too. Let them speak into my life also. That collection of community is powerful to make any kind of shift. And so in 2014, we shifted away from the haven. We gathered a few people. You were one of those, Steve, that we said, this is something's changing inside, and I know it, but I know in myself I'm going to make the wrong choice because I'm a human. And so I said... That we, we, we made a list of six or eight couples, and we, and, and, uh, and we just said, hey, this is the question. This is what we're sensing from God. This is the opportunity. Can you help us hear God clearly together? Yes. Mm. And we needed that. So what would be one takeaway that you'd want to leave with our listeners? Mm-hmm. First. Um, I thought about Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace. He was hard and steadfast because he trusts in you. So I... I like I spoke earlier about how just being aware of what's going on in my heart. If I'm keeping close tabs on if anything's off um, and I'm going to God with that, it really helps in the long run. If it's all of a sudden there's discontentment with my my situation or um, I've got this little niggle. That makes me think of a British, something my British (laughs) friends would say in my heart towards somebody. (laughs) Even if it's small, just really being pursuing God or getting help from somebody else as soon as possible to not let something go mm-hmm. because my heart is stead- my heart steadfast I'm trusting you uh, then there's the peace mm-hmm. there's the grace to make it yeah I, I would you asked for one can I do one A and one B sure because <laughs> <laughs> I have two thoughts one is that John 15 4 and 5 work is that my commitment above everything is that to this God of this universe that called me his son. And I got to learn how to have a secret life in him in a daily way where, where it's me getting in the word and me worshiping and me praying and nothing's distracting me and how to abide with him throughout my day. And when I live that life, I hear his whisper and I know where he's leading me. When I do that, I'm going to be the most fulfilled because I'm satisfied in him and I'm bearing much fruit. The other, the one B answer mm-hmm. here is uh, Isaiah sixty one. Also, uh, obviously, all the all the word works, but Isaiah sixty one is the one thing that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Was um, the, 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 we are actually created to bind up the brokenhearted and set the cat. We are created to give beauty for ashes. We're created to do to live a life that is so other than this world 
that people's lives are transformed. And if you apply that to the member care world with pastors and missionaries where people have already said yes to the call, they st- hearts can still get eroded. Their hearts can still get weary. And so I still am created to give beauty for ashes. The, the, the pain of life of living overseas, it's hard. And there's a lot of ashes that can heap up. But somehow God can redeem them through me. And I love verse 3. It says, And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That is my goal. If I boil down to everything else, that is my goal, is this person will become a planting of the Lord and they will display the splendor of God. Not display Scott's splendor because he interacted with them or what a ministry and organization. They display the splendor of God and their oaks are established. Their roots, their roots are deep and that they're strong in the Lord and so they will bear much fruit. In the end, that's what matters. Okay. Yeah. I love that, right? Well, we love to uh, have our guests on resiliency end our time together just by praying a prayer of blessing and impartation on our listeners. So can one of you guys do that for us? Sure. Go for it. Thank you, Father, for um, all the people listening. And we trust, God, that you would uh, let the things that need to be heard and impart uh, need to be heard and put forth in action that they would be done. And um, We bless people to walk closely with you, to be that abiding son and daughter, mm-hmm. to have faith for uh, their, their kids, their teammates, their people around, that they would really walk in a greater level of trust and mm-hmm. not lean on their understanding, not lean on their own voice, but lean fully on your voice. And I ask for each one that you would uh, just undergird with, not only your spirit, but also with people around them, maybe uh, support staff or whoever they need, God, that you'd that they wouldn't feel alone, but yes. they would know that they're with you and you're giving them everything they need. Yes, In Jesus' yes. name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, Scott and Jenny. <laughs> we love you guys. We admire you. We think the world of you. Thank you. Love Maya and Kenley. Thank you. Yeah. God bless you guys. All right. Thanks. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency. Resiliency.